Hey guys, Zach here. Just a quick uh, disclaimer before the beginning of the show. We had a little bit of a technical issue in the first half, so if you hear some crackling, unfortunately we weren't able to avoid that. But we promise we will have better quality for the next show in terms of avoiding that. Eh, sometimes things just happen. Other than that, enjoy this latest edition of the Inside the Walls podcast. Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Kyleman and Jim Bernier. Welcome again, fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kyleman here alongside Jim Bernier as the regular season has come to its conclusion. And boy, did we have one hell of a ride in week 10. We all were wondering, myself, Jim, most of the NAL community included, what the hell was going to happen on week 10? We all sat here and waited for the Jersey flight, Jacksonville sharks and the Carolina Cobras to sort out this mess. That was the fourth position left the final remaining spot for the NAL playoffs. And sure enough, those pesky snakes out of, out of Carolina, the Carolinas region, I will mention the Carolina Cobras themselves out of Greensboro pulled it off rallied from dead last at the bottom of the barrel looking down and out and they get to go into the playoffs as arguably the hottest team in the nal what a goddamn ride jim what what a ride the the, the, the conclusion i couldn't have asked for better at the end well first off you have three teams similar record but all three teams were going different paths, especially in Jersey and Jacksonville. Well, Jacksonville had fight with them they against Albany Empire, which I was pretty impressed. But Columbus took care of business right off the bat, ended it, and smooth sailing. And Carolina, like I said last week, what type of Orlando team shows up this against the uh, Carolina Cobras? And the team that I thought was going to show up didn't show up and get credit to the Cobras. Uh, you get credit to Coach Russ and you get it. You, it's just, it's amazing how, yes, and even in the short season, we finally get to the, the, the four playoff teams. Now you're in the point of the season where you have four games, or excuse me, three games that determine one spot. Cobras got in. Now you got four teams in the postseason. The records are zero and zero. It doesn't matter what you did in the, in the regular season. You're in the new season now, and we're down to two teams. You're down to the Columbus taking on the Orlando Predators and the Albany Empire taking on the uh, Carolina Cobras. So it's postseason football, and it starts this weekend. And I had to say it, they're on the same time, which is going to kind of stink, but at least we get to know who plays in the NL championship at the same time, hopefully. But it was pretty intriguing how – this past week, we had three games to determine who makes the playoffs, and we didn't know who made it the final, who was going to be the final team until literally what happened in Orlando. Because um, yeah. Jacksonville lost, or Jersey lost, eliminated them. Jacksonville needed that deuce at the end to tie it, didn't get it. Jacksonville then said, well, we're, we're watching the Orlando Predators uh, in the Carolina Cobras, and what happened? Carolina took care of business, which eliminated the Jacksonville Sharks. So it was a very intriguing weekend. Had a little 
different field than uh, what I thought was going to happen. But we, me and you both expected Carolina, how they were the hotter team coming in, uh, was going to do. Um, but for Jacksonville, what a way uh, to, to not just quit and fight to the end. They expect them to get Jonathan Bain the final week of the game, the final week of the season. But it was a good, um, it was a good addition, but a little too late for the Sharks. Uh, but congratulations to uh, the Cobras. They they got what they got, the additions they needed that they needed to do over the last couple of weeks, and they finally got punched their ticket into postseason. And it's a different Cobras team than the last time they played Albany up in Albany. So it's gonna be an intriguing game this Saturday, especially in the Times Union Center. Man, I am excited for really both playoff matchups, but I really think that, you know, for an Albany team that has been to this point now, we have shown the better, the best in the NAL, you know, they've shown their weaknesses and lapses to where, you know, if a team has just enough an opportunistic side, you can take advantage. I mean, the Carolina Cobras, you know, as we've said for the last few weeks, they've been a team with nothing to lose. Since week seven, they have just basically been doubted. They were down and out. They retooled really quick. And now they're looking kind of scary. I, I'm hoping nobody underestimates what coach Resinaldo there has set up for the Carolina Cobras. I mean, they might be going on the road, but you know, you, you have, I mean, yeah, you have to take on that Albany crowd, which, you know, crisscrossing my fingers here that is the largest of the season i i feel like i've said that too much you know conditions are wise or not but i'll tell you they they got me they got me thinking a bit you know aaron aaron aiken really connected kendrick ings been a star in the league as he was in the afl but it's been sneaky how good he's been in special teams or in the receiving game and lamarck brown who only had one week he's going to get another week to get in and get his feet under him. That's deadly right there. That's deadly with a good offensive line now. Defense has been looking strong since they've been making more transactions. I'm, I'm just, I'm giddy because it just, it adds a whole new element to this four-team playoff now. You know, and really all the elements I'm giddy about showed up in that Orlando Predators matchup. You know, Aiken came to play. Ings was a dominant force. I didn't even mention T.C. Stevens, who has also in his own right come on strong since this rally ah, it's oh, it, it's been a deuce machine exactly it's been crazy how much he's yeah. been delivering i've almost had to double i've had to do double takes for when i've looked at the at the stat sheets or uh when i've tuned in broadcast and i'm going wait didn't they no and like jacksonville game i was like um how many is this now <laughs> you know? yeah but same thing in orlando you know dude has been killing it for them you know even with his even with a hand even with the shoe of his hand no credit that doesn't I totally think he's kicking. won three straight special teams MVPs by the so, NAL. I mean, if it no, wasn't no, for Ings. Uh, I think Kendrick won this weekend. Yes, he did. Which if it, yeah. I was about to say, if it wasn't for Ings, yeah. then, you know. <laughs> we but, yeah, be, the, yeah. but Caroline's made the moves. They they brought in Aiken. They brought in better offensive linemen. Uh, they brought in uh, McNeil. Uh, so if you look at Carolina from, let's say, week six to the early of the season – they didn't look like a playoff team. They didn't even look like they couldn't, you know, complete a first down. Mm-hmm. But halftime against the Jackal Sharks there in the Greensboro Coliseum that one Saturday night. After that, they're a completely different team. Yes, they did lose to the Predators the following week, but like we said before, they just ran out of time. 
Right. Um, but they, the last two games, they manhandled Jacksonville in the Shark Tank, and they went down to Orlando, which honestly, I think Orlando had their biggest crowd from what I can tell. No, I haven't found any official attendance, um, but it looked like it was their biggest crowd. They had actually people in the second deck, so that yeah. was um, – that's a good sign for Orlando, especially for the last home game of the season, especially for the playoff push. The question I look at Carolina now is now, yes, the playoffs are here. Yes, you 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 survived Orlando, who is a playoff team. They traveled to Columbus. Is now, yes, you made this additions. You're everyone's against you in the NAL. Everyone, you're a four seed. Four seeds are not supposed to beat one seat. Well, in the National Arena League, ladies and gentlemen, it's happened before. A four seed has beat a one in the National Arena League playoffs. And that was the Massachusetts Pirates when they got knocked off by the Columbus Lions in 2019, the year that the Cobras won the NAL championship. So it has happened before. But Tommy Grady is not the quarterback of the Massachusetts Pirates. <laughs> Darius Prince is not the receiver in the Massachusetts Pirates. Malachi Jones, it's not. You get the point. The Albany Empire are a different built team than that Massachusetts team was. But in the playoffs, is like in any playoffs in any league, you have to play the game. Yes, the one seed should win most of the time because they are the number one seed, but you have to remember that the one seed in this league didn't clinch their one seed spot till last week. That tells you how competitive the league is. Yep. And if we remember that Carolina game against Albany earlier this year, Carolina just ran out of gas. They were keeping up with Albany. Now they've upgraded a lot of weapons on that Carolina team. Albany has has upgraded as well, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and they still have one of the best quarterbacks of all time, Tommy Grady. It's going to be an interesting, interesting twist. Now, you told me this was the Carolina team from week six, six going up to Albany. I was going to say Albany's going to win all day, but, you know, Coach, Coach Russ, Aiken, you know, Summers, Kendrick, TC, this team, and Homer on defense, who is a I, – I'm going to say this, Homer, the defensive back from Carolina, mm-hmm. most overlooked the DB in the NAL. He's one of the best in the NAL, but he's most overlooked. Uh, that guy is everywhere on oh, the yeah. field. Um, they have a team – like, we, we, we said that, you know – that we what well, we were we were having that mentality that that New Jersey was that four seed that was going to be that tough out. Carolina, and we always thought, well, well if Jackson was going to go, it's going to be an easy win by Albany. If Carolina, man, it was going to be an easy win. But we were basing off rosters from three weeks ago. Yes, this team's completely different. This is it for Albany. This is the four seed you do not want to face because they've won two in a row and they've won in semi-dominant fashion. Their special teams, in my opinion. It's probably the best in the league right now, especially the second half of the year. And if you have a kick that's kicking deuces, you're having nine-point possessions in your favor, and that's big, especially in the National Arena League. But this week, you go up against another good special teams kicker, so it would be very intriguing. But if you would have told me three weeks ago, if Caroline made the playoffs, what would you think about it? I was like, well, they're going to go play either Columbus or Albany in the first round. They're going to get murdered. Yeah. I don't think that now. Um, that game in Orlando really taught me a lot about the Cobras that they, you know, I don't know what, how can you say it? The last 16, 16, 18 quarters, they've been a completely different team mm-hmm. than the first half of the season. And it just boggles my mind that, man, this is only an eight game season. If this was a normal 16 week season, 
The Carolina Cobras, even though their record right now is three and five, I guarantee if this was a 16 week season, they managed themselves to get to a nine and seven record. That's what this team it looks like. This is a team that will, if this is a normal season, they're going to pull off four or five wins here, get back above 500 and, you know, settle in that 97 range. Still a mm-hmm. great record. And that's going to be in the arena football, no matter what league you're in, you're going to make the playoffs at 97. It's not the NFL. Right. It's just, I'm very impressed with Cal, uh, Carolina. I was one of their biggest critics. We've been called out. Our show has been called out on a lot of boards. You and me both have been, um, been on them. <laughs> um, say we don't know what we're talking about. This is what's going on. But we say, hey, this is what has to happen. They're not contenders. They, they're the worst team in the NAL. They need to make moves. They've made the moves. And now they're contenders. Not just, yes, they made the playoffs. They have a team that can host a trophy in two weeks. That's this team. They have the mentality. They're just going up against another team that's just as good as them and has been good all year long. So don't look at the records, three and five versus and versus seven and one. Carolina, you know, take away those five losses, the, the, the last, you know, two games. Carolina has been a completely different team in the last 16 quarters if you look at the film. And that's one thing I'm impressed about this Carolina team. They shut down a Sharks team at home, which is pretty hard to do, even though yep. it's happened pretty recently. Um, then you go to Orlando in a host- the, the, the freaking jungle, the jungle, the Predators. You know, that's the jungle too, Columbus. I'm not taking an insult to you guys. But they had about, I'm going to say they had about 4,000, almost 5,000 fans in attendance down in Orlando. That place was packed. Yes. That place was active. Um, it was loud if you watched the broadcast. Carolina had to do what they're going to have to do. Went on the road to a championship. They checked off Jacksonville. They checked off Orlando. Now they're in Albany. And after Albany, they may have to go back to Orlando or back to Columbus. But they're checking off the list of what they do. And they shut us up, man. I'm just going to say that they shut us up. I'm being honest with you. (laughs) I have no issue with that. I I truly, I've been, I've been impressed. I really have been impressed. I, the fact that they are have gotten here, I I, yeah. I am truly impressed. I, I my past self, if I went back to the past and said that and said that they would clinch, would be slapping me right now. And I go, no, really, like they they did. <laughs> and it, but I just it, yeah, they've done a great job retooling. I, I want to really quick switch to the focus here to Orlando as we're mm-hmm. talking because these are both now playoff teams. So correct. Obviously, we looked at this. Um, we've been. I think you and I can say, or I can speak for you in saying that we've been shaky at best with Patrick O'Brien since that for since that win in, against Jacksonville in his first yeah. appearance. Um, I would say this contest, kind of a same deal, hot and cold. You know, I mean, Orlando's defense keeps them in the in these contests. We're gonna just that's the truth. Uh, I think, and and they do have a talent with DJ Myers. That obviously his hands help. They got Joe Hills in his first game. But the inaccuracy really did in Orlando here. I mean, you, if you're you have 18 incompletions in arena, you're probably going to lose a possession or two, and that's kind of what happened. They fell behind because they got stopped on fourth down one or two times, and it was a little too it was too little too late when they had about four minutes left in the fourth quarter, and you're down two touchdowns. It just, yeah, it well- was enough time. Uh, a little too late, but there were some uh, bright spots in Orlando, like the Joe Hillis catch uh, was yeah, uh, highlight. He, he looked good. Was, he looked uh, good when looked, he got chances. Uh, he looked good for an older guy uh, trying to keep his football career alive. 
Um, I just think that Orlando in the second half, they knew it's like, okay, Carolina has this. We have next week to get ready for. We got Columbus to get ready for. I think they you toned it down in the second half. I don't know how Coach Bennett was uh, approaching that game. Mm-hmm. It was just – I just felt like the mentality for the Orlando Predators changed in the second half compared to them in the first half because the first half was competitive. But I just feel like Orlando was like, you know what? We got our first half. We got a couple good licks. We know we got a little bit of momentum. Let's, you know, you take it back a few. And I felt I felt that. But even though if you tell that to a player, they won't and, you know, they won't say that what happened. They nice. were kind of, you know, there was a couple of turnovers and a couple of uh, there was a couple of uh, turnover downs that were big for Carolina. But it's for if I was Orlando, yes, you lost the game, but is O'Brien an issue? No, he did very well. And he he didn't lose the game for Orlando. I just don't think Orlando's mindset in the second half was there compared to maybe in the first half. Right. And, Key stat, by the way, Jim, two of six mm-hmm. on fourth thousand. That's now credit, that's if the statistics on the NAL side is right. But it looks like this week they got him fully correct. So uh yeah. that's I mean, and I that follows along with the script of kind of where Orlando went to their yeah. downfall this week. Yeah, and that's – honestly, if I was a coach, if I was Bennett in this situation and I knew that I had a game yard guaranteed for next week and Carolina was – at that time, I think they were up by, I think, seven points. Either they just got a touchdown and a turnover downs. I think it was somewhere maybe midway through the third quarter. Mm-hmm. I think the score was like 30, 34-20, like 26 or something like that. It was a one possession game, and then it was a turnover and downs. And I think right then and there, uh, they they Orlando was like, you know, we're going to just take it back a little peg because they knew next week was guaranteed, mm-hmm. and they have a bigger fish to fry next week for against the Columbus Lions. So right. I think that's where Orlando's mindset was in the second half. But yeah, overall, it, it was a playoff atmosphere down in Orlando for two teams that made it. Well, at at that time, they didn't know Carolina was going to make the playoffs. Um, but Orlando had the mentality, and I just think that Orlando went through the motions the second half. I'm going to talk about a team that I thought went through the motions second half at the end because I want to kind of just get over and done with when it comes to Jersey visiting Columbus. Yeah. What can you really say? There, there really wasn't much. I, I I thought that with Jersey, how they've kind of been this wild card, play really good teams well at times, play down to teams at others that maybe – they come out and just kind of give Columbus a scare or maybe even upset. But I think you can tell that the lions are maybe a little upset that they did not get their chance to take the stranglehold on that first seed in the NAL. You know, felt like a tune-up game. Yeah. um, I've watched, (laughs) I know this is not what you like to call great analysts of a game. (laughs) It's Columbus did what they do. They took care of business. They knew that they, they knew New Jersey was on life support. And they went in that game with the mentality. It's like, hey, we got the two C. We're home next week. You know, Albany just came down in our house and beat us. We ain't going out the 2020 season or 2021 season on a losing note at home. You can't lose back to back home games. And they torched them. Yeah. Like, um, oh yeah. It was early. Like New Jersey made a couple plays in the first half. They jumped on them early. Um, I, I still, I still think, I uh, know this may be, you know, may, may tick off some people. I still think New Jersey has the best linebacking core in the league. Um, 
but it's just you could tell in that game as the game progressed. It's like you almost had the feeling a couple of weeks ago when Jacksonville was hosting Columbus, where you're halfway through the first quarter and you already know the outcome. Um, yeah, this game screamed that instantly. Well, not instantly, but it was literally by I halftime. Think, it definitely yeah, was by giving halftime, that vibe. Uh, by halftime, you, you you're like, it when Jersey has to come out here and they have to score, get a quick turnover, and try and score again to cut down that deficit. And they did. I think that guy. I think they. I think they when they first got the ball in the second half, they didn't do anything. I think it was a turnover downs, mm-hmm. but. When you have Marvin Ross getting pick sixes left and right on you, when you have Mason Espinoza having T and Crumpets in the backfield and just tearing up your secondary, um, you can tell just by that game what team was a postseason team and what team was thinking about where they're going for their offseason destination. And I'm not taking a shot at Jersey. It's a, you know, like I said about the Sharks. It's a down year, but at least you're having your down year here in a shortened eight week season. Yeah. It's just for for me, Columbus is they 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 got the bitter taste out of their mouth losing to Albany and they they put all their frustration on Jersey and Jersey was just the team that they had they had played. They just Jersey went to a hornet's nest and just got rocked. <laughs> um honestly. Yes. Yeah, they, they got they got the uh hit the hornet's nest with a stick treatment, unfortunately. Uh and got uh, probably the probably the bad hand out of the three as weird as that saying with Albany being the option for Jacksonville but you know I, I feel bad for Jersey because you know what I gotta give them credit they gave they gave their fight when they could this year and you know there was times like we've talked on the show that really I thought that they could have possibly been that fourth spot earlier on already yeah. it's just that they it seemed could. like inconsistencies yeah. derailed this team throughout the season yep. time and time and- and they had a chance to do that, I think, when they played against the Carolina Cobras. No, they beat Carolina. That's when Carolina mm-hmm. – um, it's the next week when they went to Orlando where they had a chance to wrap up the three seed and tell Orlando and Jacksonville and Carolina, you guys battle for the fourth spot. And they get boat raced out of or- Orlando, and then Orlando comes became that team. We That was our separation Saturday um, yes, it episode. Yes, it was. Yeah, that, that was a and, defensive slugfest from the year, weird to say, yeah. in, the, in the arena league. It but, went from know. a slugfest in the first half to a shootout and then a complete blowout in the second half. Yeah. Um, and in Jacksonville, Carolina, it went from a blowout to a, oh, dear God, who's going to win? And special teams happened, and Jacksonville pulled out a miracle, but uh, we didn't realize that that was going to be the last time Jacksonville won the football game this year. Right. It was uh, – yeah, it's – Jersey had a chance, and – I know this is going to be stupid football mentality, but Madden said this famously on a lot of Madden football games. If you're Madden fans, um, not the current Madden, when he actually covered the games. Right, so that'd right. be like Madden 2005 to like 2009. He goes, well, sometimes if you want to make the playoffs, you got to do it yourself. And this team didn't do it. <laughs> so that's basically what John Madden said in the game. Ain't I remember – um, He's a, he also has a famous quote, like, the, the win a game, you got to score more points than your points. Like, no crap there, Matt. And I didn't realize that. Thanks, um, but, <laughs> but for New Jersey, if this was a regular 16-week season, and I think New Jersey was going to be a team that was going to be competitive throughout the year, no matter what, what no matter what this, the scenario was going to be, I just feel like they their roster's loaded, still is. 
I just felt like they got the bad end of the stick. Unlike every other team in the NAL, they had didn't play Jacksonville. So mm-hmm. you didn't know was Jacksonville better than Jersey or was vice versa. So you didn't get a chance to have that matchup. So if I was New Jersey, honestly, take it, you know, you know, tip the cap. You got two wins. You had chances to be three and five, possibly four and four this year. And, you know, you it didn't go what was it? What did uh, Hugh Freeze used to say? You let him off the hook. I don't even think that's Hugh Freeze. I mean, I got the coach wrong seat. I don't like doing NFL parodies. You're, you're, but, t- <laughs> uh, you're, you're talking about Dennis Green. Dennis Green. <laughs> there we go. Hugh about. Freeze, Old Miss. Freeze. <laughs> oh, my God. No, he's a Liberty head coach now, not Old Miss. My apologies again. Uh, Lane Kiffin's an Old Miss. There you go. Um, but yeah, I just feel like if. If this was a normal season, Jersey would have a better uh, record overall. I think they'll get possibly they're 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 going to be that team that was going to be like Carolina, going to be for that last spot. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be the Debbie down here. I think the worst team in the National Arena League this year was the Jacksonville Sharks. It just we didn't have enough games to show it. Um, but yeah, I feel bad for Jersey. And of course, you had six teams in the league. Every team has a loaded roster, so. People are going to have to lose and people are going to have to win. This year it was the New Jersey flight and the Sharks. And I feel like Jersey, if they come back next year or when they come back next year, bring back that same team and come back with a bigger year um, with more a normal schedule, we, we might see a playoff run, especially for the uh, flight. This year it didn't happen. Crazy tiebreakers were involved and the team that had the least likely chance of making it made it. Uh, so um, <laughs> right. that's that's the craziness of a – Hey, the fourth tiebreaker is going to be involved here, and good luck. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Terry it's, Foster it, should also give a pat, a pat, give himself and others a pat on the back for that organization. Their first year in the NAL officially, uh, yep. and they they got a whole season in. And I hope that they, at least in the, this off season, as they develop and as they go through owners meetings and such, that you know they help grow that fan base out in Trenton. They hope they hopefully get it a little bit more popular and that they keep growing with the league, you know, because, you know, as you and I have talked with people around the league, they love the, uh, they obviously love the relationship of the teams that they got. So, you know, definitely is good. Yeah. And also I forgot to mention this. Uh, thanks to the good job for the national arena league, getting the whole season in without postponements or cancellations of the games. Um, their protocols worked and then they got through uh, the system and, and it's always nice to see a league have every team play all six teams play all season during the year um, that's always a good sign I, I'm not taking shots to other leagues but I really do hate when a league has 15 teams to start the year and then when you come to playoff times there's only 12 teams left because three teams folded and mm-hmm. I just want to say good job of the NAL having the operations, having the owners to stick with it. And we completed a good season. And hopefully the next two weeks in the playoffs and the championship game, they can show and highlight the league and see how they can present the game to other potential owners um, that are intrigued about the league. And hopefully next year we have a regular year, a 16, 14 game season, possibly 10 teams, maybe 12. Frame for twelve, I'd be happy with ten. Yep, and and have a arena league where 
we're looking at Albany, we're looking at Orlando, we're looking at Columbus, and there's no restrictions on city capacity, and there's actually 5,000 people in each arena enjoying the action. So I want to tip my hats to the National Arena League this season of getting the league in and getting the season in with the circumstances that is happening around the world today. No joke. So got to look forward to that for them next season, you know, Jersey flight. Thanks for your, thanks for your time. Uh, you'll be joining the Jacksonville sharks in the off season now, which as we talked, or as I hinted at, let, let's talk about just how Jacksonville was even this close to getting there because we had an interview with coach Tom Manas last week that at least to me sounded like they weren't going to sit starters or potentially have anyone seat. Now credit the empire were up by, by two scores and four more at that time. And at least in the, going into the fourth quarter. So one could argue, that yeah, maybe we have enough talent and we can, you know, hold off the sharks here, not making, not make any mistakes to kind of change possessions that this wouldn't be close, but wouldn't you know it? A few of those things happened. And wouldn't you know it, the Sharks almost pulled it off. Kind of funny how that worked out. That, uh, otherwise, I, otherwise, to me, most of this contest uh, going into going into the third quarter in particular, after, uh, after seeing Jonathan Bain throw another interception and you know Grady help uh, just extend that lead a little bit more because it was just one of those nights where that starting offense was ticking. I didn't really think it would end in a two-point loss for Jacksonville. I thought we were already packing it in late third. Well, yeah, um, but you have to look into the perspective of Jacksonville side. It's a winning organization, and they proved against Albany that, you know, we're not going down without a fight, and they did. They didn't go down with a fight. They actually came back. At the very end, got an onside kick, scored a touchdown, and Jonathan Bain, uh, who was with the Frisco Fighters, came in to almost save the day, and he was pretty good. He had an excellent game, a um, little shaky starts at the beginning of the game, uh, but you got to give the uh, – even though Jacksonville, you can say this is one of the worst seasons – well, it is the worst season Jacksonville's ever had, they didn't go out. With, with their heads down. They, they they went out with a bang. They they went for it. They tried it. It came down to a came down to a deuce that unfortunately didn't come. Yep. With uh Brandon Beer. But you saw a team fight to the very end. And and for even though I've kind of mocked the Sharks fans with the our meme that we posted earlier this week, you had a chance to like Jersey. You had the chance. The odds were in your favor. You win and you're in. And they didn't, and they had to wait. See what did New Jersey lose? Jersey did lose. Okay, good. Now we need Carolina to lose. And you, you know, you sometimes you just if you can't do it yourself, don't trust anyone else to do it for you. And it just all the chances for the sharks just ran out at the end of the dime, end of the day, um, with right. Carolina winning. But I got to tip my hat to uh, Jonathan Bain, Coach Fuller. Uh, they put in a good game plan. That team, yeah, they were down at one point, two possessions. Uh, they fought back. They got back, and they almost tied the game. And it would have been pretty awesome if they would have tied the game going overtime because that would have been an epic, like literally a playoff extension game in the going into the postseason. Um, 
but the good bright side is is that Jacksonville, even though this is the down year and the bad year for Jacksonville, Jacksonville's defense, um, again, Kenny Veal was everywhere, made some big plays, picked off Brady again. He had another interception this week too, so that's uh, that guy's everywhere as well. Um, I just think that Jacksonville just ran out of chances, and they knew they should have took care of business earlier in the year against Orlando at home. They should have took care of business against Carolina the week before, but they couldn't. They had multiple chances of getting into the postseason. And and from a Jacksonville, as a fan of the Sharks, I'm glad that didn't make the playoffs. It means it gets me a chance to watch the playoffs, being non-biased with four teams that are in. Um, but for Jacksonville, I don't have rumors. I don't have sources on this. This is just a gut feeling. I think the reason why Jonathan Bang came back and signed with the Sharks is I think he's going to be with the Sharks next year. Um, if honestly, if be Miles' honest opinion, I think he should have been with the Sharks to start the year, but I think he was – this is me with no sources. I just think there's a situation where the IFL knew they were playing. The NAL had no idea what was going on, so he went to Frisco. And right. if the NAL was going to play, he was going to be in Jacksonville. Um, but you could tell where what Jacksonville's offense will look like with an experienced quarterback in the backfield. Um, and Bain was that. And if people don't know who Jonathan Bain is, him and Wilson were buddies and man, uh, uh, the main mammoths who went up and down the field on people. I was still, I still wish they were still in the league. Um, but still, Bain did a good job. He he was the final hero for the Sharks, and unfortunately, he didn't have enough uh, enough in him to pull out the victory. But the Sharks did fight. They did, in my opinion. You know, made this season not as depressing as it looked like in the second quarter. Um, but they they made it they made it competitive and they did enough to make it. You know what? We took it on the chin this year. Let's you know go back to the drawing board. Let's look at what's who's available next year, and you go build a roster for next season uh, to go compete for next year. Because in any sport, you're going to take your lumps, and this year was a lump for the ja- the Jacksonville Sharks, but. One thing I do want to point out about the Albany situation, Albany's, uh, I think, PA announcer got promoted to player operations, I think. Yeah, yes. Uh, that, um, that is, uh, he. I believe, that, no, actually team president for next year. Team president. So, <laughs> uh, congratulations, by the way. I knew that was some NAL news that we forgot to announce. Um, but overall, it's just Jacksonville ran out of gas and then, and they just used up all their chances. You had nine lives and they took it all up. Pretty much. I mean, that's all you can really say. Uh, you know, kudos, to, kudos to Jacksonville going out at least not as a whimper, but you know, kind of with a la- kind of with a last heroic, heroic gasp, if you will, uh, trying to find any way to preserve, of course, that, you know, tough tenacity as well as the legacy that is the Sharks when it comes to competitive play in any arena league. So, you know, give them props. They ended the game on a high note. It was exciting at the end. I was biting my fingers a little bit to see what the end result would be because of, hey, because Brandon Beer nails that deuce, we ought to be talking about a different game at that point. You know, and I definitely think you see Tommy Grady and that whole offense come back out for a series and go, okay, let's finish this, you know. No, no offense to David Pindell because I know Pindell's talented, but he 
showed like he was looking like a quarterback that hasn't been taking starting reps or as many snaps. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. uh, you know, well, the only starting receiver that was out there was also just Malachi Jones. Right. Um, uh, Pierre, uh, Prince was out and Bar- or is it Barnett was out and I think Ruffins was out. So there's, it was technically their second string offense that was out there in the fourth quarter. And I don't think uh, uh, Coach uh, Minos was giving it to the Sharks and, hey, go win it. I just think that the, the Albany Empire knew that they had the game in the bag, and if they needed to bring Grady out there, they would. Um, it's just, you know, yeah, I agree with you, Bendell. He was good in the um, – he made a great pass to Malachi, though. I, oh, he did. I, and, was, I, you know, I loved him in the FCF. So yeah. I, I know exactly the talent he is. It's just that mm-hmm. when it comes to that – when it's more for when it's more of a formatted football style like that, you know, yeah. it, like the FCF, he was very much more free wheeling and dealing running around it. Like, like it, with a chicken with his head cut off because he's a mobile quarterback this time. It seemed like, uh, you know, these guys are a little more structured, you know, the NAL obviously isn't as much, doesn't focus as much as the mobile QB. So yeah, it, it just felt like it was a little more rigid was all when he was in yeah you know someone that definitely needed a few more reps before coming in perhaps yeah and it's it's also well yeah a few more reps but at the point in time when he was in the game was almost in hand but also i think manas had him in there so he get, gets that game time experience just in case if he needs to put him in there next week or this week against uh jersey if something happened to grady so he you know he has that the experience in a tight game situation, even though the game wasn't, you know, in jeopardy of yep. being lost, but it was enough where, Hey, you need to make these plays to, you know, get us to this point so we can win. It was that type of game experience. He didn't throw him out into the wolves. It's like, Hey, this is going on. It's kind of a tight situation. Go get some game experiences. We might need you there, you know, in the third quarter of next week, if Tommy Grady goes down with an injury, or something like that. Something something horrific happens. Um, mm-hmm. But I know what Manas is doing. But I thought he played very well, even though he didn't he, he didn't he didn't cost him a game. He did make one boneheaded play, but you expect that from a guy who's only been in Arena League for one year, especially in the NAL type of style. I know he played the fan control football, mm-hmm. but that's not arena style uh, type of game. It's just. I know what Manos, I, I think I know what Manos was trying to do, and it was just giving the guy experience and giving him experience in a tight situation, even though the game was not in jeopardy. I know what he was doing. Jacksonville wasn't going to win that game. Uh, they couldn't stop Pendel either. So huh, that's just my opinion about it. Can't argue with can't argue with that logic. But hey, playoff field set. Jacksonville gave it their all at the end, and uh, wasn't enough. I'm afraid. Seems kind of like the story of the season. Unfortunately, just uh. You know, it, between injuries and, uh, you know, just coming up a little bit short, not not the year that Jacksonville Sharks fans were looking for. So sorry, for Jim. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> it's just until next year for them. You know, we, oh, we, we say so long, Jacksonville Sharks, to the offseason with your buddies, the Jersey Flight. Before we get into our previews of the semifinal weekend that is coming up, we are going to turn our attention to our interview this week, which we are super excited to have. We've been hyping up the Carolina Cobras just for how much we have been amazed at the turnaround. So we're going to talk to one of the one of the guys, if not the head honcho himself, that has helped with this turnaround so quick and in such a rapid fashion. It'll be Coach Resinaldo 
from the Jack from the Carolina Cobras. He has joined us this week for the Inside the Walls podcast, talking about, of course, the resurgence in the Cobras play in the last few weeks, of course, coming up here with their matchup in Albany and much more. Without further ado, enjoy our interview. Joining me and Jim today on the Inside the Walls podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by special guest Coach Resinaldo of the Carolina Cobras. Coach, thank you very much for taking the time to join the show this week. And congrats on the win, by the way. I mean, the win, not only just the win, but also the just clinching the play a playoff berth in general. The fourth seed has been highly contested this season. So uh, thank you for joining the show and you know, congrats, man. Hey, appreciate it. Anytime you get a chance to talk about everything that's going on, you know, definitely appreciate that opportunity. Absolutely. Let's just go into the season here. Before we even get into talking, you know, what's ahead with you guys playing in Albany this week, uh, before that this week, or at least before going into this, this playoff berth, um, there was a large chunk of the year post week one that I think many of us were kind of doubting you guys were going to get there. So how has this team evolved over the course of the season? I think for the most part of just identifying the pieces that needed to be replaced. You know, we we went into the season knowing that we were going to be our toughest opponent. And it showed that, you know, through some of the couple games, we had a spurt there two games in a row. We had 11 turnovers and they weren't from, you know, throwing interceptions here or, you know, running the ball and trying to make extra plays and fumbling it, you know, or defense making plays and stripping us. You know, we have turnovers where the, the center's rolling the ball on the ground a couple of times. The quarterback's dropping the ball out of his hands. The quarterback's getting sacked and it just flings the ball up, which is, you know, from a, you know, a rookie, someone that don't have a lot of experience of just taking the sack. And it just, you know, a lot of those situations with snowball and in an arena game, you know, once, once you get start going downhill, it, it, it could jump on you pretty quickly. And, you know, some of that stuff showed and, you know, the Albany game, you know, the, the score really didn't show really how the game was. Um, so when you go back and actually look at that stuff, you can see some of the mistakes that were made. So, you know, it, it's tough because you're still losing and you still got to find a way to go week to week. And, you know, a lot of outside people looking in don't see the eternal stuff going on. And, you know, we face a lot of injuries throughout the year and, you know, guys nicked up. I mean, heck, even the last couple of weeks of, of the season, you know, we, we've been taking it real easy, real light practices, a lot of cryo and chiropractor services and a lot of film, more mental than physical. And it's paid off for us the last couple of weeks, you know, but ultimately, you know, whenever you can start making some changes and bringing some bodies in and start helping in, in the right direction, you know, once we started doing that and adding the alignment here and alignment there and, you know, a couple other pieces to the puzzle, you know, for, you know, Aaron, Aaron Aiken, our quarterback that we brought in a couple of weeks ago, you know, is a big difference you can see between the two of, of a younger quarterback that we had that didn't have a lot of experience to someone coming in that's had some experience. Granted, it's an IFL, indoor football league experience, but right. it's still the indoor game, so to speak. So just this level of football to get a guy like Aaron that, that, that knows what's going on and, and with expectations and, 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 and commands you know, the teammates to follow him and, and he just makes everyone around him better. It's just, and that was a big key for us, you know, overall. Um, and then adding a few pieces more here and there, man, it, it's just overall for us, you know, we're real excited when we were going into that Jacksonville game. Right. I mean, that's, that's, what's been surprising to many, I think not just us, but you know, we, many of us talk on the same, you know, Facebook group groups and forums and such. And 
the Cobras from week at least two have at least week one, I'll say, you know, week two, of course, I'm just mentioning first loss of the year. It's evolved quite a bit. This your organization, at least in terms of roster, has really morphed into something completely different at this point. And, you know, as to your point, Aaron Aiken has really contributed the most, it seems, to stabilize that position. Uh, I'll say myself, you could tell week two compared to this past week in week 10, uh, line play and quarterback play, um, at least they seem to gel much better. Um, that evolution is definitely there. Uh, uh, defensively, I also got to ask, I mean, you just, is this some similar philosophy? You just have been just kind of f- tinkering and fine tuning it to get it to the right specs. Cause that also has stepped up in really leaps and bounds over the last few weeks. Yeah, so one of the things, you know, granted, you know, I was the defensive coordinator with the Cobras in 2019, and, you know, we led in almost all the statistical categories for the defense. And even 2018, the Cobras have always known to have a great defense. So that was a, a, a big thing for us going into this year. You know, one of my former players took over as the defensive coordinator for us, you know, running the same defense that I ran in 2019. Um, but it was his first, you know, first go around as the defensive coordinator. So, you know, we had some growing pains here and there and, and, you know, putting guys in the right position is really what the situation came down to for us defensively. And when we made a couple moves on the defense, I had a couple of defensive linemen, you know, I actually started calling the defense the last two weeks of the season okay. um, versus Jacksonville and Orlando. So, and it wasn't so much because of me, it's just, I think more so of the atmosphere and the energy and being able to direct guys on the fly you know, it's very hard to coach someone through the headset to get them to tell what you want them to adjust on the fly before the offense breaks the huddle and then lines up and runs the play. So one of the things we wanted to do, we were getting down to the wire and it was must-win situation for us. And I didn't want to be in any situation where miscommunication was a factor, especially going to the shark tank. You know, it's always difficult right. to go there and play. Right. So, you know, from a, a atmosphere standpoint, strong fan base, crazy fans, you got to love it. So it was a point for us that I was going to be on the field and make sure anything that needed to be changed on the fly, I was there to make it happen. So um, same defensive stuff, you know, Anson's done a great job for us. He's still our defensive coordinator. It's just, I'm, I'm just on the field in that aspect from a management standpoint. And I, I think it's paid off for us these last two weeks. Jim. Coach, uh, what changed at the halftime of the Sharks game in Columbia or in uh, Greensboro? Cause the Sharks were dominating you by scoreboard wise in that game. And all of a sudden when you came, guys came out at halftime, it completely different. The rest of the season has been a completely 180 from that point on what happened, what, what happened in that uh, locker room then during the halftime that really sparked the Cobras to where you guys are at right now. So really it was just, you know, we, we told them at, at, at the half, it was just pretty much, you know, this is the season. This is the, this is the changing point for us right here. Are we out of it if we lose? No. But are we going to put ourselves in a very bad situation if we do? Absolutely. So we still controlled our destiny at that point. Meaning out, if we won out, we were going to make the playoffs regardless of what happened. So I think we actually had some players step up. And when some players stepped up and started talking, I kind of just backed off and let the team kind of rally around each other. And, you know, we could only do so much as coaches. We can put them in the right spot. We can have great game plans. But at the end of the day, when the lights come on, so to speak, and you go out there on the field, they're the ones that are doing it. So there's, you got to execute the game plan. And we hadn't been doing that week after week after week. And we knew what kind of team we had. They just the, the team themselves had to believe in the same thing that we saw. And I think that was the biggest thing for us when they came out that second half. 
it was a totally different football team. And granted, we lost that game, but I saw a change in us as an organization, as a team and the locker room. We hadn't had that kind of energy the whole season till that point. So I told them after that game that, guys, you know, we do what we need to do. Again, you know, that takes something from the Columbus because we kind of been saying the same thing to ourselves, us versus us mentality. No one can beat us but us. And if you believe in that and do what we're supposed to do, we will make the playoffs regardless of what happens in some way, shape or form. If we lose another game, are we going to need some help? Sure. But the way that things will fall, if we do what we're supposed to do, the chips will fall where they may. And that's kind of been our approach those last two regular season games. And, you know, here we are. (laughs) Truly. Truly. uh, Yeah. Just truly. I was going to say one thing I've noticed about your team since that point is your special teams. Uh, you, you guys are, I think Kendrick leads the league in return yards for kickoffs. And without, that's one of the most, you know, basic things in football that gets overlooked at any level, that's special teams. How big has special teams been to you guys in the second half of the season to make this type of run? Well, special teams for us has been huge. And, you know, with TC, I think TC, you know, he stepped up for us big these last couple games. Um, you know, when we are at Jacksonville, he had four deuces and, you know, tied the NAR record for that and it deuces in a game. So just having that other aspect added to what we're trying to do, you know, is huge. Whenever you can get a kicker getting 15-plus points a game added to what you're doing, you know, that definitely helps. And then in the return game, it's a, we got some dangerous kick returners, you know, especially adding Reggie Gray in the mix there at the end. You know, Kendrick Ings has been, you know, a dominant force with the ball in his hands every game. Herbert Waters had a field goal return, you know, a couple games ago. So anytime we got some guys like that, they can get the ball in their hands in a special team game, it's, it's, it's going to be a crucial moment. And, and, you know, those type plays for us kind of help spark some things. And, you know, it's very rewarding to see that stuff happen when, you know, special teams, when you can be successful in that, that third phase of the game, when you can put all three together, you know, it's pretty special. I will say Kendrick Ings has been, at least in terms of under the radar with stars in this league, in the NAL this season, really has been a standout. Uh, yeah, I know. I know you guys also. One of the transactions that really made the news wire, at least going to week ten, was Lamarck Brown, which is kind of ironic because both because both of them played on the same on the same team in the AFL in twenty nineteen. Uh, did you did you kind of hook up with him partially because of the chemistry that was possibly there, or at least what could be on the same page? Yeah, for sure. So you know, it's that whole situation himself. So Ray McNeil, who we brought in as center. And Monte Lewis, defensive end, and and Lamarck Brown, they all played together in Atlantic City in 2019. So all three of those guys live in Tampa and work at the same gym. And so it really started with Ray McNeil, and we got Ray McNeil on board. You know, so look, there's a lot of guys like those three that should be playing right now, but there's a lot of AFL guys that are just sitting around just waiting for something to pop back up for them. And hopefully something does. But it's very hard for those guys when their minimum pay is $1,500 a game and then you come play for $200 a game. Because, unfortunately, in the NAL, it doesn't matter. If you've never played in the NAL, you're a rookie to the NAL. So your base right. contract is the 200 a game. And a lot of those AFL guys aren't playing for $200 a game. <laughs> They're just, they'd rather sit out, train guys, coach. Some of them are coaches and just wait. Hopefully something else comes around. But some of the guys don't want to sit out for two years in a row especially if something does come back around for them next season to have an opportunity to get back on the field 
it's an opportunity for them to keep playing. And, you know, Ray McNeil, you know, he had a great relationship with our owner, Rob Storm, from playing with the Sharks and, and whatnot. So it's all about building relationships in this business. And when people say, you know, you don't burn bridges, you, you really don't because you don't ever know when something's going to come back around for you. And, you know, Ray was excited to get back on the field. And he said, by the way, I got quite a few guys here that train at the gym that probably could play. You know, some of those guys, there was a couple other guys that we talked to, but they they weren't really feeling playing in the for the NAL pay and whatnot. And I get it. I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, we felt with Ray and, and Lamarck Brown, you know, Lamarck Brown's a very explosive wide receiver. You know, when you add him into the mix, put him on the wall with Kendrick Ings in the middle, it puts defenses in mind because you can't really bracket just Kendrick no more. Now you got to pay attention to what's going on on the front side. And then when you add in the mix of who we got with James Summers, who's kind of a, a lower radar type guy, He's a very explosive player. You know, you got to remind folks don't know, you know, he played running back in the NFL for a couple teams. So, you know, he's a very explosive player. And when when you got those three same guys on the field together, you know, it's tough defensively to be able to contain that. And then and then, by the way, we throw in Reggie Gray now. So, you know, it's tough. (laughs) It's uh, (laughs) we 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 geared ourselves up the last two weeks to make a run at the championship. Granted, we still had to beat Orlando. Granted, we still had some stuff to do. We needed some things to happen. But if it did, we were going to be ready and we were going to be a force, um, you know, come postseason time. Uh, You know, I'm glad you added the point about AFL talent that's out there because something that was brought up, at least that I've seen a lot more in conversations going into the playoffs, at least at the end of the season. And I know your team, you know, you had plenty of transactions, but it seemed like for the majority of the league, transaction the transaction wire was going nuts with players being added in at the tail end and some good talent too i mean if we're talking receiver talent you know mark brown but like joe hills being over in orlando or we're talking about good defensive talent like varmasoni over in albany or just many others that you're saying afl talent and now i know the league is adapting and adjusting and it's a rumor that we might get expansion here next year uh, do you see this as maybe a trend for the NAL in future years, kind of, you know, stock up to the end of the season? Well, just the way it's set up, you know, the cool thing is, like I said, there's a lot of AFL guys that could be playing that still are not. And the guys that decided to play, you know, everyone knows Joe Hills is a money guy. You know, he's got paid a lot of money everywhere he's been. But this is it's a unique situation for a lot of teams and a lot of players with COVID and, and, and taking away the 2020 season. You know, these guys still got football in them and they're tired of not playing. They want to keep playing. So you really see the true guys that are in it for the real reasons. And, you know, you know anyone can say what they want, believe it or not. You know, Joe Hills ain't playing for Joe Hills money. Joe Hills is playing because he needs to keep playing if he wants to stay in shape because he is getting older. You right. can't sit out for two years on the couch and then try to come play in that third season to try to make some plays. You know, Sony the same way. You know, he. these are guys that made some good money in the AFL. Reggie Gray, guys that made good money in the AFL, but they don't want to dang sit around no more. Reggie Gray, especially, he's he's been playing since 2008, you know, in the AFL. So he he feels he's got three or four more years. But these guys don't got three or four more years. They sit out two years in a row. So we've been fortunate in some of the teams that made the move. You know, some of the teams don't want to waste their time, so to speak, talking to some of these guys because they know that they – you know, they've made a lot of money and they, they're going to probably ask for money and those type things. But you never know. I always, you know, the same thing. You're never going to date the pretty girl unless you ask her out for a date. So some of these guys just want to play for the love of the game. And and and, and a couple teams were rewarded for that. OK, I'm uh, sorry. Um, Coach, let's get let's get it to this week's game, especially with AFL vets. Tommy Grady is an AFL vet. Um 
AFL Hall of Famer, honestly, and Malachi Jones and Darius Prince. How are you going to game plan to stop that offense in Albany? Well, it's it's simple. Uh, we, we're going to have to our, – we're not going to play the game to limit our mistakes. We're going to play the game to try to force some mistakes because, you know, through the years, you know, if Grady has a lot of time just to sit back and throw, he's going to pick you apart. But the times where Grady has not been successful is when he's had a lot of pressure in his face. You know, he's six seven, so tall guys don't like people around their feet. So if we can get pressure on him, he's going to force some stuff because there's things that Grady's going to take advantage of the defense. If you give him, he's going to take what the defense gives you. But he's also going to get frustrated if he can't do what he wants to do. And he, when you go back in years past and you look at film through the years, the times where he struggled is when he's had all those things happen, pressure, and you, you're putting him in situations where he got to try to force some things. If we can get some you know, some points going and, and get them behind and make and force them to try to catch up is when we're going to force a lot more stuff. So the, the game plan is to play us, do our thing, and – and try to force them to in some situations that they haven't been in or they're not trying to be in. Most likely your, your main goal is to get the crowd out of the game early, like you guys did in Jacksonville <laughs> uh, a couple weeks ago. You silenced – after Jacksonville went up, I think, about 10, 15, 10 points, you had Kendrick's kickoff return followed by Deuce, and all of a sudden the game was flipped. And then Caroline just started to do their thing against Jacksonville. By the way, I'm a Sharks fan, so I was there live watching you guys own us, which – I kind of respect. Uh, we don't deserve anything this year. But speaking of this weekend's game, you've you've been a defensive coordinator for Columbus. You've been to the NAL championship. You win. You guys win this weekend. You'll make it to your third straight championship game. A lot of people don't know that, or they overlook that. How is that in your mind building that mentality for an organization to say, "Hey, this is Carolina. We're meant we're meant to play in these games. Look at our history. How has that worked for you as a coach over your years as a coach in Carolina? Well, the biggest thing for us is everything we've been through to this point. My my stress to the guys has been everything that's going on. We still have a chance, and there's a reason why we still have a chance because we're supposed to be here. We're supposed to have these opportunities. If we weren't, then we would have been out of it a long time ago. The way that we've been playing, but there's a reason why everything is the way it is. So we got to believe in what we're trying to do and keep grinding because we have been there before. You're right. We have been in the championship game 2018 where we won it, 2019 where we won towards the end. We should have won that game, but we didn't. And for whatever reason, here we are. We have another opportunity. And, and I told everyone that if, if, we, if we get a chance and we make the fourth seed, we are going to make a run. And the guys believe. And when the players believe in what you're trying to do, it makes things so much easier and you can tell from the energy from everybody, from the fans, from the players, from all aspects, you, you know, the Cobra football is back where it needs to be. And, you know, we got a tough game and I always tell everyone, you know, you hear the old saying to be the man, you got to beat the man and Albany's number one for a reason. And when we win this game, we're going to deserve to be in a championship game, regardless of the regular season, because we're in the second season now where regular season don't matter. Hmm. I definitely will say you, that I've told Jim this on this show. Uh, the team that is the most dangerous sometimes is the one that has nothing left to lose. And since that Jacksonville contesting in, at home in Greensboro, it definitely seems like that mentality has kind of take, taken place. Uh, do you see yourselves, you know, obviously you deserve to be belonging here as you've proven, but do you see yourselves taking that mentality even a step further into the playoffs now that's like, well, we've gone this far, nothing left to lose. Right boys. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's our mentality. You know, it's it's scary when you have a team that doesn't have anything to lose. No one expected us to be here. We're here. No one expects us to win the game in Albany, but we're going to go and we're going to give everything we got. And when you got a team like that, that's scary when you got a team that don't care about the noise and we're, we're playing a high level right now. And really, we caught on fire when we needed to. And that's granted again we had some help but i knew going in it was going to be tough for jersey to beat columbus in columbus it's gonna to be tough jacksonville gave all that they got and they had some opportunities they probably should have won that game mm-hmm. but it just goes to show the type of season that they had you know we were right there too so we understand the feeling and because just everything failed the way that they did and it just happened that things are going our way at the right time and you know we're fortunate to be in this situation as we're wrapping up here coach rez i want to ask because no matter what happens to the, se- to the season here uh, you guys have done – you definitely have performed above and beyond in the second half of the season, deserve to be here, as we've discussed. Uh, moving forward, you know, the NAL, you know, it's coming out of a tough period here of having to cancel season. You guys, you know, were able to get one together. It was a 10-week, and it's been a success so far, uh, and I think it's going to finish a success as well. Uh, what do you What do you strive to see the league do moving forward maybe for 2022? Well, the first thing, it'd be definitely nice to get some more teams, you know, added from an expansion standpoint. It's very quiet. You know, one thing I'd like to see the NADL, as everyone, you know, from a fan standpoint, you want to know what's going on. You want to have an idea. You know, there's nothing being shared about that type stuff. And, you know, I, I think the NAL learned from some stuff the last couple of years because, I, I mean, I think the NAL really is the only team to not really have teams fold in midseason and fall out midseason but very notorious for announcing teams and getting started. And then before the season starts, teams go away. Mm-hmm. So that is not, that's not good in any fashion, but it's, it's, it's better than teams folding in midseason and, and causing some problems. So I, I, I just think it's one of those growing pain things where, you know, granted, we're only going into the fourth year as the NEL from 2017. So, you know, I think they got the pieces in place. You know, a lot of people give Siegfried a hard time about stuff, but, you know, he's an AFL guy and knows what's supposed to be, and, and he's trying to do everything he can to put us in that that prestige that the AFL had. And it's tough. we got a lot of work to do to get there, of course. But, you know, we're definitely in the right path. I think the first thing's going to be is, is, is add some strong ownership groups and some strong cities um, that can support the game, not just pop up a team because there's an arena and they can put a team there. It's all about the ownership and, and how they're going to – what their plan is to structure the business model because – the football part is going to take care of itself. If the business can't run properly, the team's not going to last. And I think that's the key with the, the, the NAL is just to make sure that those ownership groups can make that stuff happen. Uh, Coach, I want to just say thank you for joining the show. Uh, I've been the biggest critic of the Carolina Cobras, and you have literally shut me up this second half of the season. So I want to say thank you for <laughs> proving me wrong. But also, Coach, I just also want to say uh, good luck this weekend. Good luck. Hopefully you guys are – hopefully we have you on next week for a big upset and preview in the championship game. I just hope – say good luck for the rest of the year, and thank you, man. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you guys. And, and, and I've listened to the show week after week, and, you know, I listen to some stuff and pay attention to what people are saying because it's important. You know, I, I don't know everything, so mm-hmm. I try to take a little bit of here, a little bit there from all the great coaches I've been around and, and kind of make them my own. But – it's great to hear you guys like yourself that actually know what they're talking about and pointing guys in the right directions. Are your details always correct? No, but you guys are just like everyone else. You're getting your research and doing what you guys can find out on the fly. And um, we listen. I'll tell you that, that people listen to what's going on. And 
And um, it's it's kind of funny when you look back at it. We didn't really start making moves until you said this team's got to start making moves. <laughs> and so, you know, we you know we reevaluated some stuff about what we were doing, and I was like, you know what, let's just let's see what we can make happen, and 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 it's paid off. So I definitely appreciate you guys as well. The rest of the NAL, I guess, can in some weird way blame me and Jim. <laughs> there you go. See how you try to the, the you know pass the blame onto someone else to get the limelight off yourself. So <laughs> there you have it. Constructive criticism, right? <laughs> See, that's what we're talking there about. There you go, Co- Co- Coach Resinalo. Thank you very much for joining this evening. Hey, no problem. Anytime, guys. We appreciate it and keep up the good work. Special thanks once again to Coach Josh Resinaldo for joining us on the show this week. Wishing him the best in terms of their matchup in Albany as well for the semifinals. <laughs> Jim, I, I think I heard that right. Um, he did he say that we might at one point that we might have uh, suggested some things. Oh, so he's trying to say that we control the National Arena League and the player transaction. That's us. Um, you listen to us. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounded like they listened and they answered. Um, wow. that. Well um, so if anybody has uh, any transactions that need to happen, um, uh, we have an email that's inside the walls podcast at yahoo.com we'll give you suggestions mm-hmm. uh, yeah but it was pretty i was uh pretty intriguing i didn't expect the head coach um to say yeah heard your podcast and this team wasn't making moves and we started making moves and look what happened so yeah so we could be pulling the strings in carolina and didn't realize we were so um but still it's kind of unique and it just it, it then again it just tells you that it's 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 honestly it's an honor that we get a chance to do this and have the people who do this uh, who play football who coach in this league give us an hour of their time to listen to us. So so much respect, and I want to say thank you to the coach for joining us. Um, but yeah. Um, so when they say fantasy football is real, we can literally say that we have our own fantasy football team. <laughs> I'm gonna take that one to the bank. <laughs> I'll take that story to the bank all day. You know, I love I love when we did the lead up to this because originally I was worried that we weren't gonna be able to do this, and we had we you know you you talk back and forth with coaches and or players or others, and you try and organize event or meetups for this, and you know we were running behind time, and I was going. Oh no, maybe we lost connection. And sure enough, um, sounds like season ticket holders surprise coaching staff and players with a uh, send off dinner to Albany. So uh, definitely a reason to be delayed. You know, I thought that was just kind of cool, you know, for, for those Cobra fans out there, you know, you guys rock for doing that. That's really a neat, that's really an awesome gesture, you know, of just fandom and just being feeling it's part of the community. So, you know, nice, not really classy stuff there. Those what the league's cool. about. Yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, that they, they that was an awesome that was awesome when he was like, Yeah, sorry, I'm running behind because uh you know, fans had a surprise dinner. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but yeah, NEL, I, I love hearing that. You know, when it's smaller markets like that, you find a lot more stuff happening like that too. You know, a mm-hmm. little more personal touch. So I really love that about the arena and especially the NAL. Without further ado, though. Let's talk about that matchup that we just asked Coach Rinaldo about in our interview. The Cobras now sent off with a 
you know, send off dinner are heading up to Albany, which Albany may have their largest crowd of the season at the times union center. They have locked down that number one seed. They have the fast track. If they win this game against the Cobras, they will have the chance to host the NAL championship. All they got to do is defeat what you and I have called now the hottest team, arguably the most dangerous team right now in the NAL, just for how that retool has gone so well, Jim, you look at, you look at this contest, Albany obviously is no slouch, but you can't sleep on Carolina anymore. There's too much out there from the last three weeks, if not four Mm -hmm. that shows they are no slackers. This is going to be a hard out at the times union center. This is the type of ball game where you look at their previous matchup in week two and two different teams. Yeah. And you look at this game, you have a more experienced quarterback in Albany, maybe not really more experienced receiver core because Caroline just re-answered that with uh, basically bringing the um, Atlantic City uh, Blackjacks onto the roster. Right. Um, But – this game is uh, unique. It's because Carolina is going up there in a situation where they know that no one expects them to win. Albany is in a situation where they're the new kids on the block. They got the number one seed. We got Tommy Grady. We got Malachi Jones. You know, We have the squad. We have the AFL empire in this league, and we're going to show you how to win it. It's almost to a point where you look at this game and it's a matchup between a NAL champion and a former AFL champion and throw out the record books. Don't even look at the records. You look at this game. It's going to come down to offensive line play and a D line. One thing I've noticed over the past weeks, especially even though, Columbus didn't get to him. Uh, that get the Grady it is. One thing I did notice is that Albany's offensive line has been kind of breaking the mold a little bit. They're not as stout as they were earlier in the year. Maybe it's because they've been playing up against good defenses in Columbus and Jersey and then coming with Jacksonville who had a good uh, night uh, this past uh, week. Now you got Carolina. A little revamped defense, a little bit more attitude, a little bit more swag. They've pretty much shut down their last two opponents. You're not, it's, you know, Orlando and Jackson's offense is not Albany, but they did, they did shut down O'Brien and they did shut down Jackson's offense on and Jackson. So that's pretty tough to do. Now, and this, in my opinion, this game is going to come down offensive line. If Carolina can get the Grady, get him out of the pocket, they have a great chance to win this game. Mm-hmm. If Grady is sitting back there all day, taking his time, looking down the field, he's going to tear you apart like any quarterback can do. But he's one of the best. Now, if you switch the field and go to Carolina's side, they upgraded their offensive line this week or the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. And now you look at Aiken and go, can Aiken make enough plays to keep Carolina in the game and make the plays that are need to be done to win the game? 
it's I know it's gonna be, it's very odd, ladies and gentlemen. Can you believe that arena football game is gonna come down to quarterback play? Well, it's gonna <laughs> have to. I think that it's coming down to O line and basically what offensive line is gonna keep their quarterback off the ground. And the offensive line that does that the most or the most or the best will win. And I look at this game as Carolina stood toe-to-toe with them earlier this year with a completely different roster. Now they have a completely different roster, probably the best, better quarterback than they did earlier in the year. But they also had a rookie quarterback then. Aiken has some experience in the indoor game. Against a team in Albany who's been dominating their way all the way through the NAL, besides that one week in Jacksonville, you look at this game, records out of the books, could come down to Aiken special teams you look at the graphs does Carolina have a better offense probably not does Carolina have the best defense uh you can say they're about split on the two uh, does Albany have a better uh and what is Albany have a better special team no you can split that so you look at the three stages of football your offense and defense and special teams Albany has the advantage probably in offense and the other two they're probably tied their defenses are about the same. Their special teams are about the same. Mm-hmm. And that's just all the credit to TC, um, that weapon that Carolina has. But you're going up against Craig Peterson, who's one of the best, too. Um, but you're, it's in Times Union Center, so that's his home. I look at this. It's Carolina, honest opinion, has to keep up with uh, up with Albany all night. Yep. And they have, and they have to have either special teams or their defense Make it play in the second or second quarter or third quarter, wherever it is, to get ahead. Because I don't think Albany is just going to. I don't think this is going to be a blowout, but I definitely don't see this going to be a blowout. I definitely don't see this being blowout on both sides. It's going to be a game that's going to come straight down to the very end. And the mentality I haven't seen from Carolina this year, or especially the last couple of uh, weeks, is they're not going to go down without a fight. And this could possibly be an upset. Am I calling an upset? Maybe, maybe not. You know what? Why not? I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the wild card here. Um, I'm going to say Carolina pulls off the upset because of how they played the last three weeks. And for the Albany fans, yeah, I know. Coach Manos, I know. I do apologize. I'm going to tell you right now, I will not be shocked if you guys win by by three possessions. I won't. Um, but you know what? I like chaos. Give me Carolina in the upset. I think uh, Coach Russ and the Cobras do what they have to do. They've proved me the last couple of weeks. They shut me up. They've been shutting me up all year. I can't go against them. So um, let me get me the Cobras in the upset here and go to the National Arena League Championship game for the third time in franchise history, which will be three straight. Ooh, man, I cannot pick that. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you be the wild card. And you know what? I I see your points. I validly do. I, mm-hmm. I can I can see how hot Carolina is right now. I mean, I've been I've been saying it just as much as you have tonight on this pot or tonight or recording this podcast here about how yeah. that's the case. Uh it's just for some reason, much like 2019 with the Empire. It kind of feels like manifest destiny that the Empire are just going to make it to the championship here and win it all. Not only as their first year in the NAL, 
but win in front of the Times Union Center and help reinforce that fan base out there. It just feels like it's coming together. And I think that you're seeing arguably the best version of Albany right now, credit also to their free agent pickups that they've had at the end of the season. One of them, by the way, was an offensive player of the week this past week in Jermaine Richards, who I think has been an X factor at giving the empire its edge on offense, because here's the thing we've talked about how Derek Ross was very much a change of pace and could hurt you from away from the passing attack. Richards definitely did the exact same thing. And I think that piece right there, along with the fact that you have Barnett, you have Prince, you have Malachi Jones, you have Tommy Grady throwing the ball and he's going to be starting the entire contest this time. It's just so hard. And the defense also has been making some improvements. Like I said, Varmasoni coming in has brought an X factor and an edge to that defense that I thought was a weak point. But since he's been signed with Richards at the same time, they kind of, that question, that doubt for me has kind of gone out the window. And that showed against Jacksonville, by the way, same deal. Uh, I just think it's a little too much. I think you are going to see a competitive game. And I think that it is going to come down to at least a one score difference at the end. It will not be a 80 to 53 loss. Like it, like it was earlier in the season. This is a different Cobras team. This is a Cobras team that mind you also is being run differently defensively. As you heard in that interview, uh, coach Rezinaldo is probably going to be running the defense as well again in this contest. So it's going to be closer. I just think that the empire have way too many weapons and you're going to have to see a you're going to have to see kind of a collapse and embarrassing loss like you did in the two week in the two week trip to Florida with that first with that first contest against Jacksonville and I don't see it happening not in your home building not when you have time to be comfortable in your surroundings up in Albany or Albany I keep saying it wrong cuz I know some people people can get on me for that uh but yeah empire that I'm I'm taking them it's going to be a one-score contest, though. You and I, I, I'm saying, are on the same page in terms of this will be a close matchup, and I think this is going to be a fun game for many to watch. You know, And those in Albany, fill up the Times Union Center, man. I know you can get to 5,000 fans out there, especially now that it's the playoffs. You know, If anything, the championship game, if they make it, it's going to be packed, I would think. It should be packed. Anyway, that's a week off. We got one more matchup that will determine who plays in the championship or who might actually host it as well. Because again, if Albany doesn't pull this off, then whoever wins in the Predators taking on the Lions, that's your host. So looking at that side of the coin, Predators coming off, eh, you know, not not a great, not a would say a great, a ugly loss, but one that, you know, you you kind of felt like they sh- they could have won that con- the contest against the Cobras if just a few fourth downs or some possessions go their way. But still, sneaky good defense, as the Predators have had this year. Uh, weapons aplenty now when it comes to Joe Hills, when it comes to D- DJ Myers. Prince Shinola has been stepping up, has stepped up his game ever since he was signed with the Preds. They have the weapons. Only thing is, Columbus, when it comes to how they played every team this year except Albany, they kind of just beat down on people. So 
I, I look to this contest and I want to see how Orlando is compared to their their original matchup with the predator with the Lions because that first matchup also had Brian Hicks in it too, and it was a close contest. It was a two score loss, but Hicks was is also a different quarterback. Not saying O'Brien can't handle the offense properly, but a little bit different Orlando Predators team in that first matchup. A little different, different quarterback, different gameplay now. Um, but the receivers are still there for Predators. Oh, yeah. And they got an addition with Joe Hillis. Now, yes, you said a potential host for the championship game, which is the Columbus Lions hosting the game at the Civic Center, possibly, if an upset does occur. Um, but overall, this game, I think Columbus is still in that little revenge like they're still ticked about Albany coming in there and beating them a couple of weeks ago, and I think they're going to come out come in this game with a different attitude than previous previous weeks with the Predators. I just think you know, like I've said it before, say it again. We'll have it next week, though. So in two weeks, our award ceremony, yep. our awards show, not ceremony. Um, uh, and it's still. It's still my opinion. I still think he is the league MVP, and that's Mason Espinosa. The guy's been just, you know, kicking butt every single week. It's not because he's our first guest in the podcast. It's because he's throwing almost 500 yards a game each right. week. Now, um, the guy's tearing it up. I just think as a team, Columbus, they still they have that bad taste in their mouth from the Albany Empire, and they have come out over the last couple of uh, – last week and just, you know, raided the heck out of the Jersey flight. I think it won't look like that early, but I look at Orlando, and what pops up to me is O'Brien versus Mason Espinosa. Does Orlando's defense have enough, which they have shown throughout the second half of the season, that they can't alter a lot of games and change possessions and change the games based on their defense? They have more offensive weapons. But the question is, does Orlando's defense have enough to slow down Mason Espinoza and the Columbus Lions here in the semifinals? Um, and, of course, you look at Columbus's defense. The, the defense is still there. They probably have the defensive MVP and Marvin Ross. Uh, they probably have maybe the best defensive line in the league. And every time I see them live or watch them on YouTube, their defense is getting two to three sacks a game. And – if I'm Orlando, I don't know if there's still restrictions on the capacity in Columbus. There was a couple oh, against Albany and was some last week. Um, so it won't be a jammed house, but there will still be some good amount of fans there for a playoff game. If I'm Orlando, try to take the crowd out of the game. If I'm Orlando, don't let Mason beat you. If Mason beats you, the game has been over for a couple of quarters. Um, you need you need someone else on that offense to beat you. If you can slow down Mason, and it's arena football, we know that you're not. It's going to be hard to shut down a good offense. The you already know as you look at Mason episodes, and you look at his offense, you look at oh, you got the Loach, you got Marvin Raw, um, excuse me, you got the Outlaw, and you got Antoine Grant. You look and you got Crawford in the backfield. You look at that offense, you go. This offense right here is guaranteed going to score 30 points no matter what. You can stop them three or four times. They're still going to score 30 points. 
So you got to look at as an offense and as a defense coordinator or as an offense coordinator of another team, especially the coach Bennett at the Orlando Predators, you got to find a way to score 35 minimum to have a chance to beat them. Right. But you're not going to hold Columbus to 35. Uh, that offense is too built. And O'Brien's has impressed me. He was thrown into the wild into, into the wildfire early. He's, you know, gathering himself. And he, he last week, I really don't count it against him because you really want to go full board when you already know you got next week guaranteed. Are you just sitting back and just want to see what happens? That's the mentality I thought he went last week. Now it's playoff time. This is, you got to play your A game. And you know, Columbus has revenge on their mind. They have payback on their mind. Not, not to discredit the Orlando Predator fans that listen to the podcast, but Columbus is overlooking you guys. They, they know you, you have no chance against them. They're looking forward against Albany. I know that's a mentality you don't want to need in the playoffs, and it's definitely that you don't want to have that in the playoffs, but I guarantee you Albany wants, excuse me, Columbus wants Albany again. Yeah. They know. So Orlando, for I know as fans, we look forward to that. So, man, this would be a great matchup if it happens. But as coaches, you always got to prepare for the game at hand. Not discredit Orlando. You guys have Hillis. You guys have DJ Myers, who's, in my opinion, NAL first team wide receiver this year. Ah, it's just going to be hard to pick against, like you with Albany. It's very hard to pick against them. I just can't pick against Columbus. Um, and I think Columbus wins this game. And I don't – we're going to have a competitive game between Albany and Carolina. I – by the time this gets to the fourth quarter, I don't think Orlando has enough at the quarterback level or on the offensive side of the ball to compete with uh, Mason and the Columbus offense. Um, Orlando needs to make one or two big plays sometime in early in that game to flip the possession battle to their direction or it's going to be a long night for the Predators. I just, I just don't have any hope for the Predators. And it's not because I'm a, you know, I'm a Sharks fan. I just, I'll look at Columbus and go, if Albany wasn't, wasn't in this league, Columbus is a clear right champions. They're the best team in the league. Um, and I just think this is going to be it. And I think Columbus wins this game by two, maybe three possessions. But I think in the fourth quarter, we're going to have that feel like, yeah, this game is, well in hand by the Columbus line. So I got Columbus winning this game and Columbus hosting the National Arena League championship game against Carolina. So that's my championship game uh, prediction. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I bet fans out there in Columbus, Georgia would really like to see that if they got that chance. I think, however, that they will be heading to the Times Union Center to get the third matchup of the season against the Albany empire that third time's a charm because uh, much like my Albany prediction, Columbus has just felt like a manifest destiny type of team where it's like, we are expecting them and Albany to collide because of how explosive they've both been. And really how I think a third matchup can be explosive for the league in terms of broadcast and in terms of quality of play, Again, right. that, that second matchup wasn't a slouch between Columbus and Albany in over at the Columbus Civic Center. That was really, as we discussed in previous episode, one or two key plays came down to the demise for the Lions. It's not like the Lions couldn't hang in. So, No, if you looked at the stats of that game, 
you would have thought Columbus won the game by four scores. Right. Which makes me say, okay, Columbus is still the real deal. And honestly, they still haven't shown that they have had maybe lapses like Albany to me, you know, they've come to play in the time, in the moments that they need to, but there have been times this year. I know that you watch games. And I go, man, they made these kind of closer than they should be at times. Whereas like you look at Columbus and you go, okay, if it's not, if it's not Albany, they just kind of boat race people up and down the field. Like they, they just nonstop sprint until the empire come to town and then they just can't keep up with that sprint or marathon or whatever you want to call it. So I want to see a third matchup and I think it's just manifest destiny. You're going to see us now. Will the predators give them a good fight? Oh yeah. They'll give them a good fight. That defense alone has been sneaky good all year. And you also have Joe Hills now in that receiving core. DJ Myers, of course, is going to be just as much of a threat. Both of them will give Patrick O'Brien plenty of opportunities to try and keep up with the Columbus Lions. The thing is, though, between O'Brien and Mason Espinoza, Espinoza's on another level right now. Mm. Dude is playing out of his mind. I don't see O'Brien keeping up in production. And I think you're going to see, similar to what happened with Carolina, some crucial fourth down stops are going to either flip the game or they are going to blow this game wide open for the Lions at some point. I'm going to say give me the Lions in a two-score in a two-score differential affair and you're going to see Columbus versus Albany part trace going to be at the times union center for this one. It's probably gonna be a packed house. And I think that's going to be an explosive championship game to end the season. I think a lot of people want to see that too. I I think fans just want fans are going to be happy to see a championship game either way and a conclusion to a full year that we almost weren't sure was going to happen, but we'll just be happy to get a championship game and someone's going to get that nice NAL championship trophy in their possession going into 2022. Without that, it's you know, start in Albany. It will end in Albany. So that's right. basically how that's basically what you think. Uh, right. So yeah, you have the round three. I have the Cinderella story against the destiny team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'd be very intriguing, but anyways, it's just, it's playoff football. Just don't like that. That's both games are on the same time. I don't like yeah. that, but um, that means I'll have both my TV and my laptop tune in. And also, um, I, we're not really big on this. We try to keep this very neutral about political stuff. But Albany has it for the fans in Albany. They have a big thing going on this weekend. Um, go get your vaccine. You get a free ticket. Now, yeah. what's that? Help help the community. Uh, help the team, help the league, and enjoy a playoff football game. So, uh, hey, to get back to normal, get back to these sellout packed houses uh, and stadiums everywhere. You don't have to wear a mask. Get a vaccine. Fight this thing. Let's get this thing done. All right. Um, that's and that's a good thing for Albany. I really appreciate what they're doing and the organization. So, I just want to give that a shout out to them. So, yeah, playoffs this weekend. Um, no game of the weeks. We'll try to do our best getting the highlights and tweets. Um, but yeah, playoffs, With, baby. I know playoffs. It's weird to think we're at this point. Yeah. I'm, I'm so stoked. I, I'm the, all, each of these matchups look great. And, you know, without the consistent persistence of these teams and, you know, just the league getting, getting the schedule right and executing a season to the best of its degree, we don't get this. So, you know, hats off to oh, everyone involved we, right now. Also, 
listeners, next week we have a special two-part podcast. On Thursday, we will have one team, Pacific, and on Friday, we'll have the next team. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the championship week podcast where we have either Columbus or Carolina on one or Albany or the, uh, excuse me, Columbus or Predators on one or Albany or Carolina on the other episode. I have interviews of probably coaches, maybe players and break down their side of the game previewing the national arena league championship week. That's next week, two shows. And thank you for downloading last week. We had two shows last week. We didn't think about, we didn't think it was going to happen, but it happened. Thank you to uh, coach Manos. Um, thank you for support. Uh, 50, 55 downloads for that. So we're, that's awesome. We really appreciate it. But yeah, just preparing next week, two shows, championship game preview. It's too big. Need two shows for two teams. So we can't wait to get that going and bringing you some great content. We already have great guests lined up next week for potential matchups. So uh, stick around. Thank you for the downloads. It's going to be fantastic. I am looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to a great conclusion of the 2021 NAL season. Until next time, folks, thank you as always for tuning in and for the support, as Jim's mentioning, really, we just have been blown away. It's been fun. This has been a fun podcast so far, and we're looking forward to many, many more episodes ahead off season and beyond until next episode, until we talk about the NAL championship contenders. Remember one thing playoffs. You better be a Jack out of the box. Stay tuned, everyone.